Hi, and welcome to Cohen Creative Design Show. We're supporting you to become the designer of your life by implementing tips and tricks to help you manifest your desires. I'm your host, Christina Cohen, and I'm just a girl from a small town with big dreams. I'm motivated by my family and passions for sharing and creating. My mission is to bring you stories from others who have manifested prosperity in their lives and help you take unapologetic action in creating the life you desire. Your life and business transformation begins at Co-Creative Designs. Samia Petalino is the author of Money Handbook, Spiritual Keys, and Practical Steps to Finance. With her experience in the finance and banking industry, and later a successful business owner, Samia shares her knowledge and wisdom from both a biblical and practical perspective. Raised in a traditional Jewish home in sunny South Florida, she carries a deep value for stewarding kingdom finances. Samia, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I am extremely excited about talking about your book that you just released. The Money Handbook, Spiritual Keys and Practical Steps to Finance. This, everybody, is gold. (laughs) I must explain to you that um, the second I picked up this book, um, it's been a very, it was a very busy week that week, but I did make a point to sit down with it. Uh, It was on a Saturday and I sat down by the pool all day and I could not put it down. It was really that good. Um, I just love how just the, everything, how everything is written in there. Um, so I might, I'll let you know some of my favorite chapters um, in a little bit. All right. So let's talk about this fabulous book. Let's do Karina, it. I am, I'm still just very inspired by this. There is just so much knowledge in this book and so much to take away. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that you, and, and grateful that you, that you did this. Um, I'm certainly gonna be sharing this with my family friends and also who had asked me how I was able to sit down. She wanted to know who the woman was that wrote the book that made me sit down for a whole day. Cause you know, mom life, that just never happens, but she wants to know who, who was this individual. And I said, don't worry, honey. Um, I'm definitely going to be passing this off to you because there's so much in here for you to take away, um, in life in general. So thank you so much for, for doing that. Um, but let's start off with, um, with towards the beginning of the book, um, and talk about money mindsets. Um, mm-hmm. not until just a couple of years ago, did I actually really realize that I had a lot of negative money mindsets, um, and it surrounded everything. Um, so go ahead and just explain to me what were some of the most important reasons why you wanted to talk about mindsets? Yeah. So I I did a chapter on money mindsets because I really feel that it's the foundation of where all of our actions come from in terms of how we respond to things that involve money. It's kind of like how I, I describe it like this, like your mindset is like the seed and whatever grows from that, whatever the tree looks like and the fruit that it bears, the root of it is your mindset. Everything else is just like symptoms of what's going on in your life. And so if you align your mindset with what God has to say in biblical principles, you will see a much more fruitful tree because money is like a method to accomplish 
what you're supposed to be doing in life because there is a definite purpose for finances in your life but it's a matter of aligning and knowing what that is and then walking it out and realizing that it doesn't like define your importance it's more about like a tool that you're using to accomplish what you're supposed to be fulfilling in your in your specific life and what your you know situation is so this book is called money handbook spiritual keys and practical steps to finance because I really wove through the whole book a lot of different scriptures that pertain to each subject because I'm a very firm believer that if you don't connect your faith to finances then there's just going to be like a huge gap in what the truth of it is supposed to be in your life so it's really important to know what God has to say about it and by the way like a third of the parables of Jesus had to do with money. Yes. But a lot of times um, in kind of like our modern day church, the only thing they really talk about is tithing, which is great. And I'm a believer in tithing, but there's so much more to personal finance than simply tithing. And Jesus actually covers a lot of that. So I pull from a lot of his parables and expound on them so that it makes sense in like our modern day. And like, how do you apply that to your life? Right. So in regards to the mindset, it's just really important to not put limits and have like those like limiting beliefs that generally come with money. Cause maybe it's like your parents never talked about it or nobody taught you. And like what you don't know, generally you're afraid of. So it's just really important to self-educate and learn about the principles of finance and how to apply it to your life so that you're educated so that you're confident and so that your mindsets about it are in line with what the biblical principles have to say about it as well. I absolutely agree with everything that you had said in there. There is just so much that you have. Um, it was just like having this big puzzle piece. Okay. And, and you help align and put these things together so you can see it in a clear view. And, you know, there's a lot of times, especially going, um, being new to learning about mindsets in general, um, and how important that they are and how, um, how it, it just, it plays such a huge seated role in your life with everything. Um, people sometimes tend to overlook the money because it's just been one of those hush things or an evil word or a dirty word, you know, like you just don't talk about those things. So, um, when you overcome those things, it just, it, it makes so much more sense. So thank you for putting together this puzzle piece for all of us to, to view it in clear view. Um, so before we go any further uh, into like uh, generational wealth and giving, I wanted to have our listeners um, know how you are so educated with money. So I um, graduated from University of Florida, the Warrington School of Business. And shortly after college, I got into finance and banking. I did that for a very long time and I ended up becoming a financial advisor, got my series seven. Um, I worked at Morgan Stanley and it was a huge learning experience. And it's interesting because back when I was in college, you know, in the business school, you have to take finance classes, whether or not you get a finance degree, it's required. And so I took them, but they teach you about like corporate finance. They don't actually teach you about personal finance. It wasn't until I really got into the career path of a financial advisor that I learned and applied 
investing, personal investing and what that looks like. And then would, you know, teach it to my clients and set them up and do it for them as well. So, yeah. So I realized, oh my gosh, like people don't know personal finance unless maybe they had like a dad or a mom or a grandpa or somebody teach them. They just don't know. They don't really know what a Roth IRA is. They don't know what estate planning is. They don't know even really how the stock market works unless you take some type of like e-course or you do like a self-help, you know, finance book or like, you know, finance for dummies, which, you know, you're just trying to like learn on your own. Yes, absolutely. We really don't, the education system, even higher education really doesn't teach Mm -hmm. finance. So, and that's one of the main reasons why I wrote this book because I just wanted to help people get set up so that they could create generational wealth for their families. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that regardless of what was handed down to you, you can still create something for your children and their children. Correct. Like doesn't have, the cycle doesn't have to continue. You can stop the cycle and start a new one. I agree a hundred percent. I really do. There's, um, there's one of my favorite sayings of, uh, in life coaching, um, that this is, this is your story just yeah. because it's, it's been this way for however many years of your life or it's been a day. It doesn't take much for you to, to learn and, to, but to realize that your future, it, it, it's a blank, they're blank pages. It's entirely mm-hmm. up to you to write. Um, so uh, yes, I've definitely taken away a lot of information. Um, there were some things that I did know. There were some things that you helped remind me of, um, and we'll talk about the, the, the beneficiaries later, but yes, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. Um, so, but they don't teach you, they just don't teach you that. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's talk about generational wealth, um, in this chapter. Um, I know that you touched a, a little bit on the, the mindset, um, and then just this being this effect, um, once you start the change, um, to start taking control of your finances um, and being intentional with how you're gonna set up the rest of your life. Obviously the ones that have, that have children, we, we think about them. We think about how can we help them go through this? Cause that's one thing I think as parents in general that I know that we don't want them to always go through the same mistakes that we've made or we just wanna be able to give them all the education that we know so they can make their lives better or, or just pass it on um, and forgiving. Um, it just, everything in general. So go ahead and explain about your generational wealth real quick. So just super quick recap. I wrote a chapter on generational wealth because I just think it's so important for people to be financially literate and to teach that to their children. Because as a parent, it's really our responsibility to teach our kids like how to manage money and what that looks like, how to save, how to give. And I really go into that in the teach your children chapter. But as for generational wealth, a lot of people think of money, you know, like, oh, the trust fund baby who somebody set a trust up and so like get money every month or, you know, they think of it like, oh, that could never be for me. That's for like the wealthy people. But that's just simply not true. Generational wealth is more than just money. It's actually like traditions as well. Like if you look it up and I put this in a chapter in the dictionary, it's traditions that are passed down from generation to generation. So it's like the words that you speak and the thoughts and the, um, you know, definition that you put around money that you're teaching to your kids. So it's more than just 
creating wealth. It's also like affecting their, their opinion about it as well. But just an example, like if you were to save 50 bucks a month, like your kid gets bored, you start putting away $50 a month for 18 years, you're going to end up with like 30 grand by the time they're like 18. So it might not sound like that much money, but I mean, when you were 18 years old, if your parents were like, Hey, here's 30 grand, that'd be kind of awesome. And right. if they taught you about money, maybe you would use that as a down payment and get like a fourplex, you know? Uh -huh. And like, now you're living in one of the fourplexes and you rent out the other three. And guess what? Your mortgage is completely covered. Yep. You were given this chunk of money, you purchased something and now other people are paying it off. Okay. So now fast forward like 20 years mm -hmm. and your kids are now graduating mm -hmm. and you're like, Hey, I have this fourplex and maybe I bought it for like 300 grand, but you know what? Now it's worth 600 mm -hmm. and I'm going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. Live in one and rent the other three and maybe you can refinance it mm -hmm. and, and buy a second fourplex or some type of Airbnb property. This is just a yes. realistic example. Yes. But in one generation, like your child and then their kid, we're only talking like 30 years. Correct. Now you have an asset that is being paid for by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's probably over half a million dollars because you saved $50 a month. Correct. You know, these things are attainable. You can save now, granted, when you set these accounts up for your kids, like an UTMA account, for instance, mm -hmm. have full access to it, depending on what state you live in, when they reach like adulthood, most states is between like 18 and 22, huh. they have full access to the money. So it's like a custodian account. But when they hit a certain age, they can literally just walk into the bank and cash it out. So they can start a rock and roll band. They can can use I love that investment <laughs> on like a, even on an investment property, you know? So the idea here is like, okay, if I'm going to have a custodial account for my child that they are going to have full access to when they hit a certain age, depending on which state I live in, they're going to need to know financial literacy. And I'm going to have to teach them how to money, how to invest. And look, if they're not into real estate, buy stock. Yes. You don't have any headaches. Yes, the stock market has had probably like 15 major crashes uh -huh. in the past like 50 or 60 years and has recovered from every single one. Uh -huh. So it's more about being in the market instead of timing the market. Right. You just need to when they're young, they have more, they have more time and abilities to be aggressive with some of their investments. Right. So you know, not everybody's comfortable with real estate. I get it. You don't want to be like worrying about broken toilets, right. but there's other places to invest. I'm just simply giving this example. Just examples, yeah. Of, hey, listen, a very small amount every month saving for your child to then give them a lump sum of money that they can multiply. It's yeah. generational wealth is about multiplication. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. It's about passing down belief systems and teaching your children how to multiply money. And you do that not by sitting in cash. Nope. In fact, you're losing money by sitting in cash because our dollar is worth less every year, especially with the amount that just got printed. Yeah. Because of everything that went on in 2020, our dollar is essentially really worthless at the moment. So you really want to teach them 
how to multiply money. And that is done by investing. And they can come alongside you and do it with you. And then you can launch them and help them do it for themselves. Those are very, very wise tricks. Um, I think that all of us can obtain a lot of those goals that you had just mentioned. Just Those are just a simple few. Um, I have started, I started my very first um, annual uh, junior entrepreneurship class for, I, I didn't get to tell you about this yet, um, but so I have taken, um, because I do think that generational wealth is extremely important, but also teaching them small points of business. Um, now, every household is different. We chose not to get um, do the allowance in our household for chores that are, um, there's nothing wrong with having allowance for your children for chores, but we just chose not to do that because our thought process behind that was, these are things that we're going to have to do as individuals anyway. However, um, let's talk about real money. Let's talk about how we can, let's brainstorm. You know, there's no, you know, being an entrepreneur, it means that your heart goes out for many different things. It's not just one isolated, um, you know, job or love or passion. So I started my very first junior entrepreneurship um, last year uh, for a couple children this year. We have a few more signups already. So it was girls uh, between the ages of 10 to 12, and they just wanted to start doing things, such as um, my stepdaughter, she decided to make keychains. So she made her very own resin keychains. Um, my, my daughter, she ended up making jewelry. Um, and it was such a great experience to take them through the whole process of how to build, um, how to start looking at products, how to start, you know, being cautious about some of the spending, how they were going to spend it, how we're going to start pricing these things. I know it was, it was on a very, very small scale. Um, but when they were starting to see how much growth they were already starting to acquire, and these are real sales. These are real products. These are real sales. And they just, they really took it from there. So they were able to, to drive. Um, they were able to earn. They were able to reinvest. They were able to start giving because within that process of um, earning and, um, <laughs> and creating, there was also a giving. Um, we decided to donate to a cause of our choice. Um, and it's just been, it's great. I cannot wait to do this again. So I agree with you with, um, with teaching them these certain rules, uh, that they're just not going to learn elsewhere. So your kids are adulting. It's great. Yes. Yes. So, um, you had made a couple of really good points in a couple of your sections with savings and investing. Um, well, there's a lot of good points in every one of them. Um, but the, the debt um, the dirty word debt. Uh, so I'm going to say the dirty word debt, just because I know that it is not necessarily a dirty word, but it is a, a negative mindset that when you hear the word, debt, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that when you, when you hear the word debt, that they just automatically go down this rabbit hole of ooh, cringe and negative mindset. So let's take debt and take that into a more positive mindset with what debt really means. So I have a chapter on debt mm -hmm. and I pose the question, is debt a sin? Mm -hmm. Because sort of like in the church body, it has been taught that yes, debt is a sin. In fact, so much so that at one point in history, um, 
believers in Christ would not uh, lend. So the Jews were like, well, we don't think that's a sin. In fact, in Deuteronomy, the Lord was like, hey, when you lend to your fellow Israelites, because duh, you're going to, because that's what makes the world go round and uh -huh. helps you get ahead, do not charge them interest, but you can charge the foreigner interest. So they're like, well, Christians technically are foreigners, so we'll lend to them and charge them interest. But if like the Jews need money, we just won't charge them. So that is why there are so many Jewish people in finance and banking. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the Christians bowed out and they were like, oh, well, we think it's a sin. So there was this huge gap that needed to be filled. And so I was raised in a traditional Jewish home. So I definitely feel comfortable talking about this about finance all the time. It was like at the dinner table, money was talked about all the time, investing, saving, like it was just very common and a comfortable subject to discuss. So all that to say, nowhere in the entire Bible does it say debt is a sin. Not one place. Thank you for making that point. Does is a sin. Yeah, right. What it says is a sin is greed. Mm -hmm. Not debt. So obviously you need to use wisdom. Like it's not a sin to have a mortgage on your house. I do suggest in the book that by the time you reach like retirement age, like 60, 65, it's really great if you don't have a mortgage anymore. So like by the time you're 40 years old, you really only want like 15 years left on your mortgage because once you get to that age, of like retirement age and needless to say, like a lot of people aren't gonna retire, but once you're over like 65, I would not recommend having a mortgage because a lot of people are in fixed income or they're working because they want to, not because they have to. Uh -huh. A lot of people in this generation that are in their 60s, when I say they probably won't retire, it's because they don't want to. Like they're active and their mind is still strong and they wanna like contribute back to society and they still wanna be doing something. So I just believe that in that time frame, it would be wise to not have a mortgage. But when you're like in your 20s and your 30s and you have a young family, okay. it's okay. Right. Because you own something that's increasing in value. Value. Mm -hmm. So I tell people only go into debt for things that are going to increase in value. Like don't put a $2,300 Louis Vuitton on your credit card. Uh-huh. It's just not a good idea. There's no return on that. <laughs> right. So, I mean, if you can afford it and it's in your budget and it's no problem and it's like not a big deal, go for it. Buy yourself a beautiful purse. Like it's no big deal, but don't go into debt for a wedding. Don't go into debt to like have things because then you're crossing that line into greed. Uh -huh. It's like a very gray area and it's a very fine line, especially when society is saying to you, gain, gain, have more, have more, like this will make you happy. Keep up with the neighbors. Like it's a very competitive, especially with um, social media. Like people kind of just only show their highlight reel of like vacation, right. new cars and new this and that, or like, oh, look at my manicure. They're really just showing you the ring that they have. Like, it's just all very shallow right. and petty. So it's very important to know your identity as a son or a daughter of the king mm -hmm. so everything you do operates from that place i do think that's staying in touch with um yourself with yeah. 
a lot of life coaching um, methods and, and tools will also help keep you on track. Um, sometimes when you start diving right in uh, to life coaching, sometimes you get the sense of overwhelm. There's also a lot of relief. Um, there's a lot of emotion that gets brought up with those things. And, and for many people, funny, um, in dreams, they seem to be a very sensitive subject. So yes, I do agree with, with certainly not going into debt over things that are not going to bring back or, or invest in any money uh, for yourself over time. Um, so there's also another uh, method of tools that you use with dividing into different sections um, where you should start placing your money. Um, that helps a lot with uh, budgeting and overcoming. So that's a phenomenal chapter there. Um, and also the the last two chapters here that I want to talk about insurance and estate planning. Um, insurance between health insurance, the umbrella terms. Um, there's just there's a lot that you go into there. It's it's really 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 good. Chapter. Yes. The but the estate planning. Um, I do believe even with individuals um, in their 20s and 30s, they still think that they need to know these things, especially if you have a family. Um, some of the good highlighting points in there, you know, about you made points about labeling or naming your beneficiaries if you're not set them up in a, in a traditional or a, a special way um, that, you know, you just put your, ben, you know, your child's name there down there on, on a beneficiary list. Things get locked up in probate and, you know, there's just a lot of detail in there that nobody talks about or they just don't educate people on that so thank you for for adding in those what i call them gold nuggets because i think they're good points for everybody to to live off of um and the teaching your children is it hit my heart i mean that is my favorite chapter um as well and there's just so much like it they're literally the future yeah i'm just such a huge believer in teaching your children like what their compass should be mm-hmm. for finances and having financial success. But also what happens is like we, I, I have this section in teach your children and it's called tent pegs. And simply it means we all have a sphere of influence, right? Which is like our tent pegs, like how big do your does your tent go? And that is the sphere of influence that you have. And it could be family, a couple of girlfriends. You, it could be a whole classroom of people. If you have a platform with entertainment, it could be millions of people. You know, everybody has a sphere of influence. What happens is your children grow up and go out into the world and get careers. And then they have a sphere of influence. And the core values of what you taught them about like good and evil per se, you know, like, let's just be real. And the biblical principles that you instill in them and also advice that you give them and what you teach them about finance, they're going to make decisions based on that. So I don't think people realize the impact that they can have in the next generation simply by raising their children right. Mm -hmm. So I just am really passionate about this because I feel that if we want to change the education system, if we want to change the political realm, if we want to change Hollywood, it starts with our kids. It starts with us. Yeah. When they get into positions of authority and decision-making, they make decisions that are in alignment with the biblical values that we've taught them. Correct. 
I mean, that's really what it is. Everybody who is in those positions most likely had a parent who raised them, who influenced them, their thought process on life. And now they're being presented with information and making decisions based on that. And it comes from their upbringing. It does. It absolutely does. In, in rare cases, people do hire someone like you and they get a life coach and they sort of repair it themselves. Like maybe they didn't have the best upbringing and they do a lot of self-help and that's wonderful, but that's literally like 1% of the population. Correct. It's rare. The majority. So start with us and it, and it starts and it starts about talking about it. It starts with making it a, a new normal to, to be able to dis- discuss these things. You know, it's, it's inviting it's encouraging, it's uplifting. Um, and I think that that's why, this is why I was definitely called to um, to help and do my part. You're doing that. So yeah, in the teacher children chapter, I just cover how to teach them to save, how to teach them to invest. Mm-hmm. I talk about the allowance system. I talk about, you know, things that really they shouldn't be paid for, like taking out the trash and like making their bed, you know, things that help the household operate. It's just teaching them like, Hey, you're just, you're going to contribute to the family. Right. And them like how to serve, you know, like a servant's heart, mm-hmm. but then also maybe giving them five bucks if they read a book, they didn't have to, you yeah. know, rewarding them for things that will like benefit their life. Correct. Or like I'm all about handing out for money for A's. That's for sure. They're hard work and they're small work. I think needs to be done. So, you know, each but I just give a lot of ideas and a lot of examples and really, um, Somebody wrote me the other day and they're like, man, I read that teacher children's chapter and I feel like it was like a shot in the arm of just like, you got this. It's yeah. really encourages the parent, like you can do this and here are steps to do it. It's totally feasible. Even if this was never done for you, you can teach your kids. Yes. So there was another, there was another um, similarities that I had and, and then you wrote about it and I was like, oh, this is so great. I just feel like <laughs> we're on the same page with this. Um, your God jar. We've had made a abundance jar uh, probably a year ago, and mm-hmm. it's through another um, mentor of mine that I was taught, and it was it was a great family challenge, and it was all about money mindset, and um, so it's still funny because my youngest daughter, she's five now, but when we started this, she was four, and she was a lot younger. Just we every time I I hid money throughout the entire house, like all over the house, behind picture frames, like. You know, in places, of course, a mom would think like, oh, they'll never know to look underneath the dish soap, you know, <laughs> or in the dryer. Um, so every time that anybody had um, found a piece of money, you have to yell at the top of your lungs, I'm a money magnet. <laughs> and it was such a, such a fun game. And still to this day, my five-year-old will find money. She'll find it on her father's nightstand. <laughs> I'm a money magnet. <laughs> Oh, it's so great. It, it was just so great. Um, so the abundance jar and the, and the God jar, uh, they had a lot of similarities, um, but that jar was going to um, be donated or given to someone for a, a charity of our choice. Um, you know, but these things can, can lead into so many different things. I mean, the, the inspiration and the dream and the desire is all up to you. It's just, you know, it's all part of doing it. So um, anyway, I, I really wanted to thank you so much again. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you about this. Um, thank you so much for for 
sharing all of your your dreams, your experiences. Um, I think you had once mentioned to me that you know, if somebody would have given me this book when I was younger, <laughs> some of the the trials and tribulations. <laughs> yes, passing this on. So nobody's getting one for Christmas over here. <laughs> so where can we get this book? Amazon. Yes, that's where I got mine. <laughs> I'll be here two days. Easiest place to find it is Amazon. I'm gonna leave the um, the link in the notes. Um, thank you so much again. It's just it's been a huge pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. <laughs>